Hey, welcome to another episode of Dear Seekers. Here we explore and celebrate the process and practice of seeking. I'm your host, Sasha Shaw. Today's conversation is with Deborah Moss, owner and designer of one of Toronto's most cherished art studios, Moss and Lamb. Housing a team of 25 talented artists in their studio, Mausoleum has been commissioned by some of the world's biggest names, like Louis Vuitton, Tiffany, the Four Seasons Hotel, Ho Renfrew, Saks Fifth Avenue. The list goes on and on. From Milan to Hong Kong, from New York to Toronto, the Moss Studio is known for creating massive, whimsical interior pieces and installations that marry art and architecture. With an emphasis on hand craftsmanship, no doubt, the portfolio of their client work is truly impressive. But what I found the most inspiring is, despite all of the success, Deborah has been living a very humble lifestyle, far away from fame and glam, and she doesn't allow herself to be stagnant. She has been constantly exploring creatively. Embracing new challenges and opening to self-learning and self-discovery, especially when she lost her dear husband, Edward Lam, in 2013. Edward was a very important part of her life. He was Deborah's best friend, her life and business partner, and the father to her two young daughters. Deborah is a woman full of strength, vulnerability, wisdom, resilience, and grace. This conversation is packed with nutrition. We chat about her process of grieving after losing Edward, the importance of practicing gratitude, the beauty of risk taking, quoting directly from her, diving beautifully instead of sinking. Pretty poetic, right? I love it. And when it comes to creativity. Debra shares the one thing that is equally important as inspiration. So, before we dive in beautifully into today's conversation, please leave us a comment or review on Apple Podcast. That would really help us making Dear Seekers more discoverable, so other women can find us and listen to these stories. Dear Seekers is now also available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitchers, or whatever podcast app you're into. So fasten your seatbelt, my dear. Let's go. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I thought it'd be a really interesting experience. So <laughs>、uh, it's the first. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I've been interviewed, but but not for podcast. Right, right, right. Yeah. So this is a first.、Um, so I think I want to start with. I know the artwork, a sculpture or installation you guys have done, usually are pretty larger than life. And then, oh, I can't. <laughs> For our listeners,、um, Tommy is actually leaning on Deborah's shoulder, which、it's, is so cute. It's pretty darn cute, except it's hot. And,、uh, but he just had a bath, so it smells. Yeah, he、good. smells good at least. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, um, Moss and Lamb usually have larger than life installation and artwork, with an emphasis on hand craftsmanship. So, I wonder. What kind of a childhood did you have, and how much does your childhood inform your creativity today? Oh, that's a good question. 
Uh, well, actually, growing up, I, I was always you know playing with crayons and colors and scribbling, and uh, you know my mother always made sure I had a constant supply of paper and craft goods. But also, my parents were interesting. They, for their generation, they had uh, they they were a bit different from the other parents in the neighborhood. They had art books, mm. and uh, we had paintings on the wall that were done by someone in my mother's family, I think one of her great uncles. And they were really nice paintings. They were landscapes. And I remember always looking at them wondering, how did they do that? How do they make shadow or light? Or how do they blend colors? So even at a very young age, I was looking at art and trying to understand how it was done. My father, even though he was in banking, he was also, uh, in his spare time, he did carving. He did woodwork. Mm. So very crafty. So I, I guess I grew up in a somewhat crafty household. Uh, my mother knit, and she was very into decorating. We moved a few times as a kid, and she would always get excited about a new look. And so I, I always liked what she did. I was always like, wow, she picked interesting colors or fabrics. So I guess I was just very sensitive to that from a pretty mm-hmm. young age. Is that why after all these years... You still emphasize on hand craftsmanship, using this old-fashioned way of using hand, because you know, like a lot of artwork now has been digitalized, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and three D printing is very accessible now. Tell me more about the the philosophy behind it. Well, I I really admire the new advances in digital processes and three D printing, but I also am very impressed with the hand can do. And even though it's old-fashioned, it's also the first tool. Mm. really your hands. So I think it's working with our hands, making handmade things supports human nature. Mm. It's it's very immediate. And it's also, it's my interest. I love art. I look at artists' work all the time. I'm always, you know, in, in awe of what artists do. We do use digital processes in some of our work, uh, often more in the proposal stage. But we really quickly move into the handmade. So we might have some sketches done, then work with those, uh, say, in, in Photoshop. People appreciate seeing the hand. That is a kind of a luxury nowadays as well. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you can get digital printed wall covering, and it's very inexpensive. But for me, I look at it and just think, well, I see all the repeats. And mm-hmm. um, it's very appropriate in, in some cases, but... Um, gee, I, I love having something that I know someone's made and they've put all their effort into it. And there's also a legacy of artists' work. You know, it's a really interesting feeling that you're part of this continuum. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the dog is like <laughs> making my arm numb. But uh, so I, I love you so much. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love him too. But I, I, I love feeling part of that continuum. Mm-hmm. And I also feel very responsible for keeping some artists employed. I've got 25 artists on staff. And so I love that feeling of a studio and people being able to bring their expertise and their training as artists. And I know you actually went to uh, OCAD, mm-hmm. and that's where you actually met uh, Edward Lamb. Yes. Which is the other part of uh, Moss and Lamb. Yes. Um, you built a very strong relationship that eventually stretched into a marriage and parenthood <laughs> yes. and creative collaborations. Mm-hmm. So what were the chemistry and ingredients that made this relationship or partnership so magical? Uh, well, uh...
guess when you meet someone at that age, a guy was 21, Edward was 23, you know, those are very, um, you know, influential times in, in your life. You know, you're very open, you're very curious about everything. And, you know, when you meet someone who shares a lot of your interests, we like the same music, we like the same art. And also, I think we challenged each other. Uh, mm. And I think, you know, we both brought different things to the relationship. Uh, What kind of things did you both bring into oh, the relationship? Let's see, let's see. Edward kind of had this uh, really strong background as almost like a pure artist, like art for art's sake, and very, very serious, a very, very disciplined guy. Whereas I came from a background that was maybe a little bit more interested in the decorative arts and something that maybe Edward at first would have, would have thought was maybe shallow or, you know, not too serious. But then, you know, he saw what I saw in it or he, he understood the background of why it's not just decorative. There's there there's a reason behind things or a theories behind things. So, you know, I, I think we we're all just open to learning too. Mm-hmm. You know, not a lot of people, especially artists, can be very um, uh, judgmental about, you know, what you do or what you're interested in and right. and kind of dismissive about mm-hmm. things. And also sometimes a little bit defensive oh. of, of, of what the, yeah. oh, very the, the much art. Oh, so. very much that's so. Kind of what they're trying to protect from maybe the outside of the bubble or something. Bubble, the, you know, the... Uh, ivory Tower. It's mm-hmm. a bit of an ivory tower, though. We were all kind of pretty grungy back then. It was, <laughs> you know, it's a very um, so being an artist is, is quite a privileged point of view. Mm. Um, even though there are a lot of uh, oh, what, what do you say um, sacrifices that you have to make as an artist, often for sort of the the way you have to live to produce art and the financial aspect of it is can be really tough. Um, but it, it does become a somewhat isolated environment. I think Edward and I were also similar because we were both interested in, in exploring environments outside of just the art world. Mm-hmm. Once we started working at, as Moss and Lamb, we were really excited by working with designers, architects, project managers, construction people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we found that fascinating and, and just as creative as being an artist. Like, We found that business was being was really creative. Moss and Lamb was founded in 1987, during a time when the art scene in Toronto was quite different. So, out of curiosity, I asked Deborah to take us back. Back in the 70s and 80s, Toronto had quite a politicized group of artists, mm-hmm. very uh, sort of socially conscious and very politically involved, mm-hmm. which I, I felt a little bit alienated from. I was had a different interest in my, my work. It was more abstract and, and formal. And I think it was also quite uh, dismissive of other work that was not politically correct. So uh, I, felt, I felt a little bit uncomfortable. I didn't feel encouraged to make my work because I thought it would have been critiqued um, mm. from a political point of view. Nowadays, I, I think that's over. I, I think it's like, do whatever you want to do. Uh, the personal is political. Really do whatever you want to do. And I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if the community in Toronto is as tight as it was then. Right. Uh, it, it was a fairly 
tight group of galleries around Queen Street. Uh, there were the Yorkville galleries where the older artists showed. But now I feel the, the Toronto art scene is very um, sort of spread around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really think there's a gallery area so much. I think that's partly the economics of the city where the the old uh, gallery areas like Queen Street and Parkdale have been so gentrified that the galleries are are now dispersed. Mm. Uh, I think in the Junction and uh, Dundas, I think that it's hard for a community to develop. Whereas in, in the old days, which I hate saying, but uh, it was fun. Like mm. Queen Street was a very uh, exciting place to be. There were there were no stores, and it felt the energy was was really really exciting. Mm-hmm. The studio took off and started getting quite busy. Deborah and Edward thought about moving to New York. The city seemed so much more exciting and full of opportunities, but the idea didn't end up blooming. The idea was very exciting to us, but we also felt that it, while it could have been great for developing more business, that the stresses of living in that city could have been quite damaging as well, like the um, competitiveness and the need to uh, ramp it up. We were working really hard. You know, we were both pretty disciplined people, and we thought maybe we've got the right balance. Mm-hmm. And it isn't necessarily about more work, but it's about the right kind of work. And Toronto offers a, a pretty amazing place to work and a, a pretty nice lifestyle. So mm-hmm. um, we, we're never like big uh, party scenesters. So that aspect of, you know, New York wasn't the draw. It was really just about the work and we were going to value a bit of balance in our lives. And then also the kids came along fairly uh, soon after that decision. So um, no regrets whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both of you have been very modest and almost, uh, you know, like a hidden gem of the city. Oh yes, the hidden gem, <laughs> the, the under the radar. Yeah, well, you heard age. that before. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and and we're we're very conscious of that. That's just that's just who we are, and that that's something I have to deal with actually on a more and more frequently. I mean, after Edward passed away, I had to learn to be more of a front person. He was a bit more of a front person. I was, I had the luxury to be in the studio more and explore. And and then I had to learn to become a leader, a boss. I had to learn how to deal with people. And uh, so the, the kind of quieter, introverted nature has to coexist with being out there in the world. Mm-hmm. So. That's actually my next question. 2013 was a very tough year mm-hmm. for you, for the Toronto art and design scene, oh. and uh, for your two daughters, yes, and uh, for the business. So tell me what happened that year. You know, was it all like a blur now, or is it still not rather vivid? It's not, it's not a blur. Uh, that was the year that Edward uh, died, April 22nd. It was a very sudden, uh, sudden occurrence. He was the healthiest, most dynamic man ever. Uh, and he had a brain aneurysm, which was really not something you'd be looking for or is ever really, you're not really tested for it unless there's a family history of it. And so it was very sudden. It was like a lightning bolt. Um, you know, the, the experience is still very, very, uh, in a way fresh to me, but time 
heels. All the cliches are true. You know, for the first couple of years, I, I was sort of like a walking zombie, you know, present but not present. And it's sort of a, a safety mechanism that happens. You just want to make sure every day you're okay, your children are okay. And that was the really big focus for me, is also just making sure the girls were okay. So they were in grade eight and grade nine. And it was things were rough for them. It was really hard. But we're pretty tight. And uh, we, we, we've been through some rocky times, especially with their age. It was They were teenagers, right? They were teenagers. Time. So uh, normal teenager things added to the mix. Made it really hard, but we got through it. And But, you know, there, there's a sadness when you, you know, a huge loss in all of our lives. And, and I tell them, you know, that's, you'll never get over it. It's something very special for you. You didn't want to experience it, but you have experienced it. You've had to learn how to keep it in your life and react and put it on a shelf, but sometimes visit that shelf. It's your sadness. And um, I think it's someone who's experienced loss of a partner. You lose a part of yourself. And... uh, People always say, well, you know, you'll get over it. You'll move on. And that's not the right thing to say, kind of. It's more like, it's your sadness, and it's very valuable to own it and acknowledge it. It's in your life, and it's something that happened to you, and uh, it changes who you are. Now, you, you can move forward. You can move backwards a bit. It's all okay. So for me, I had the girls, which was really lucky. I had to, you know, keep going for them. And then I had Moss and Lamb, which was interesting because how it was so defined by working with Edward. And he was such a dynamic, dynamic man. But I was really lucky where I, I realized my my staff were really committed to keep going with Moss and Lamb. People really, really rose to the occasion. Mm-hmm. You mentioned for the first couple years after Edward passed, it was almost like you kind of like a walking zombie. Yeah, yeah. Now, in hindsight, looking back, how did you almost like pull yourself together? You also mentioned you were lucky to have two daughters and then the yeah. business almost kind of had to force you in a way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to keep going. But also that, that was something you had to look after as well. Absolutely. Other than you, yourself. Yeah. So what kind of things you did, you think helped you really to move forward? Hmm. I think, I guess there was a lot of uh, self-analysis. I mean, when, when you lose someone through death, very sudden, unexpected death, no lingering or, or signs of a problem, it throws you off your path. Hmm. And so you, you question everything. You, you wonder, you question your relationships to people, to your work, to yourself, you question why you do things. You look back, self-discovery about w- what is important to me. Why do I do things? Why do I do things now by myself? You know, do I want to do these things by myself? You know, because I was very defined by working with Edward. That was, you know, it was... It was Moss and Lamb. It was Moss and Lamb. And it, also, we were married. And, and so, uh, you know, it was 24 hours a day, and which worked for us. It was okay. You know, it was actually really natural for us. So then, you know, part of you is is gone, but then how do you complete that now? You assume your life is going to follow a certain path. 
I took it for granted that, you know, we were in a very happy relationship and everything was going well and, you know, you don't expect these things to happen, even though, well, death is an inevitability. You don't expect to lose someone suddenly like, like that. So I think it's about self-knowledge. Uh, I think sometimes you people walk through life a little bit numb about life, like taking things for granted. And I think one thing I, I realize is I, I don't take as much for granted now. Every day is special. And here the cliche is like, well, life is meant for living. And so how do you want to live? Do you want to be sad and mopey and depressed? Or do you want to maybe appreciate things? So little things like talking to someone that you love or realizing that some people in your life might be toxic. All of a sudden, you know, you hear things differently. One thing I realize is I need people who are honest and caring and very simple, like not simple, but I I couldn't deal with toxic people, uh, kind of garbage, you know, just shallowness. I, I I needed real relationships around me. So I, I went through a phase of probably weeding out some more toxic relationships in my life. So I was very lucky that I had a lot of really good relationships in my life as well. Friends, family, my dog. Um, <laughs> um, so He's sleeping on the floor now. Finally. Oh. <laughs> Resting. Yeah, let's not jinx it. <laughs> so I think craving like honesty and connectivity in relationships was developed in me. You you assume your, all of your relationships are, you know, good and and then you start to question things. Mm-hmm. Or I did. So that was that was one thing that happened. And then I also just think over time, you know, you do start to see the positives in your life. You know, kids work, uh sunshine, flowers. Uh it's a it's a cliche, but appreciating the small things. You may have lost your your husband and the small things don't make up for it, but you have to start to move forward. And I realized pretty quickly I'm I'm a very resilient person. I don't know how you become that way. Maybe that's just something personality trait. So and then another friend said, Oh, you're so stoic. I was like, I don't think it's stoicism. I it just how people display their grief or their sadness is personal mm-hmm. and so everybody grieved differently yeah yeah you know so that maybe the perception was i was dealing with it well it, you know it wasn't necessarily well it was just i was coping right and the appearances were like oh she's coping well but you know in your head and in your you know nighttime you're very you know very lonely like and then i, I think another thing that really made me feel good was i I felt that I was, I, I was getting by on, on, with a lot of my choices and things, and I kept thinking, "Oh, Edward would be proud." Or, and then one day the girls said, "You know, Mom, I think Dad would be proud if oh, he could wow. see things now." And I was like, "Wow, that that was an amazing." That was probably very comforting. It was, it was, and so the fact that the girls could recognize that things were moving in a, a good direction for all of us, and uh, that was a really, really important. Mm-hmm. comment that really meant a lot to me. Yeah, I bet. You 
you mentioned earlier that you were an introvert, so <laughs>、yeah. before ever you were、Yay. probably kind of behind the scene a lot. Yeah.、Um, so now you had to be the face for the company. <laughs> no, one of the faces. <laughs> yeah, one of the faces. The many faces of Deborah.、No? Yeah. So now, how you?、Um, how did you kind of push yourself? And then step up, and then to be the leader that you actually didn't want it to be.、Uh, yeah, the reluctant leader. It just has been a growing process. Also, me realizing I, I really have to do this. I have to step up. People are looking to me to be the boss, the owner, the the, the voice. And so I thought, well, you know, that would be something sad if I closed the doors or I didn't own up to my responsibilities. So, and then starting to find the pleasure in in being a boss and 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 taking the lead and being a and and being a spokesperson and taking taking the challenge. I viewed it as a challenge. And another thing about Edward and I that was we both found out about ourselves is that we were both risk takers.、Mm. Um, you didn't know about that before. No, I mean in business, I, we did learn that fairly early on that. We were up for a lot of challenges, and we really loved walking on that gangplank and and diving beautifully, as opposed to sinking. So I I did realize, even as a the owner of the company and the, being a leader, it's also risky to be out there. And、uh, sometimes described the feeling like like being lashed on the front of the Titanic and. And、uh, you know you're, you're strapped on, and the waves are hitting you, but、mm. you've got to keep going forward. So sometimes they're good days. Sometimes That's a very vivid picture. Oh well, that, <laughs> well lately it's been feeling that way. <laughs>、um, but you know, are you going forward? Are you going sideways? Just don't, just don't sink. And so I, I some days I love it. You know, you think, wow, what's today going to be like? And、uh, what fresh joy? What fresh problem is there going to be? And 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 that actually helps in the in the office that we do have a project management and operations group of people, and they're very much about、uh, scheduling, budget, on time, on budget, bring it in, you know. And 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 I'm like, well, wait a minute, it's not looking right. So we need a few more days. So I'm also the spokesperson for the studio people. Okay, we're supposed to ship out on Friday. Well, guess what? It's not looking right. We need another day. And we can we we'll, we'll just have to afford that because we can't we can't afford not to do the right thing. It has to look spectacular. If there's something that's you know I'm not confident with, then I won't let it out the door.、Hmm. So I, I'm actually very proud to represent my artists. You know they want to do good work. If they need another day, I'll I'll fight the project management guys. <laughs> <laughs> And I can do that because I'm also the boss. Yeah, but it, the, it's very important to、uh, maintain that artistic quality, right? Right. That people come to us for that, and then it's also very difficult as a leader to start with being an artist and now has to be taking care of the logistic, the you know bigger picture.、Mm -hmm. We we grew into that. It was just very methodical to us. How do you get this project done? This is what you have to do. You know your answerability to people. We were logical, and and I think discipline is a really important thing about both of us. And I actually learned discipline from Edward. I mean, I will have to say I was not that disciplined, but I learned it. Can you tell me more about discipline? Well,、um, what is discipline? 
It's doing what you have to do to get it done properly and staying focused and not giving up. It's doing what you have to do. And doing- a lot of others are about emotions and feelings, mm-hmm. as you've already shared. Many artists have their own kind of bubble and in their own world. Well, yep. So when there is a different motions and day by day are different, how an artist can embrace that discipline to use that to their advantage. It's a bit of like the 10,000 hours thing, what the Malcolm Gladwell, is it Malcolm Gladwell? Often really successful artists get up in the morning and work. So that's their discipline. Work, do it. Um, whether it's your, your laptop and your, your software program or your brush and your paint or your pencil and your paper, just, just be disciplined to do it. Whether the work is interesting or viable or boring, is, you can have discipline. Discipline also to, to critique yourself. Am I doing this the right way? Are there better ways of doing things? It's practice. Uh, I think a lot of artists think also discipline is, antithetical to art you know so we would sometimes get comments like oh you guys are so uptight or you're workaholics it's like well actually we're having a really interesting time doing what we're doing we're working hard because we're not bored we're getting to produce interesting work we're working with interesting people we got to travel a lot which was amazing so we felt really privileged to be able to work hard because we felt we were learning and and the you know the, the privileges that working hard can bring were really you know clear Mm-hmm. So. Wow. You know, something just came to me, almost a aha moment for me, uh, was I had this conversation with my dad. He's actually a musician. Oh, neat. And then he has been doing music since he was young. What like, does he play? Uh, he's a composer and he's also oh, a conductor. Cool. Oh, my and gosh. And he also teach. He also play piano and violin. Oh. He's like a music genius. Oh, Even wow. though, like, he's my dad, not being biased. But I was having this conversation with him. Now looking back, a very naive question. I asked him, how do you source your inspiration? Like whenever you don't feel inspired, how can you keep working? He told me he doesn't really use his inspiration <laughs> to work. He was like, I use my technique. I use the methodology. Yeah. I don't use inspiration to help me compose. Obviously, sometimes some mm-hmm. some tones will come to him, but that's not the way he works most of the time. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't understand fully what he meant. You know, what is inspiration is a really interesting question. So, you know, maybe they both feed each other. You're inspired by your ability to do work because, you know, at this stage, I I kind of feel like I'm good at my game and there's a joy to that. And when you realize that things just are fairly um, fluid and, and I love to kind of look at my knowledge base and my experience base and I'm like, wow, I, I've, done a lot. I'm, I'm an amazing resource to myself and to other people. And what is inspiration? It's funny, like, I can look at things, but sometimes I try not to look at things because then it can get in the way of inspiration. It can distract you. Bringing a different dimension to the artwork they create is what Deborah hopes to achieve. And when the client comes to them, this is the question she often asks herself okay, we have to do this project for someone and, and here's what they're asking for. And okay, it's a mural and it has to have this theme and this color, but what can we bring to it that makes it kind of moss and lambish? Why did people come to us for it? It's not just the painting style. There's a, there's kind of a, a bit of a look or a theme, 
So there's often like a kind of a narrative whimsy that we try to bring in. Why? Well, just because I, I, I always like to have something that people might question or notice sort of, oh, it's not just a mural with a fish. You know, maybe there's something interesting going on. And then I try to bring, you know, my knowledge base to the client, you know, my interest in art and, and art history. I try to bring some meaning to just, so it's not just a pretty thing. I guess I feel that's my job, bring, bring some meaning to things that are often considered just pretty or superfluous or decorative. Because <laughs> um, I, I, I think uh, you can bring more meaning to things that people think are just decorative. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a responsibility to the client too. Every project is new. I feel very responsible to treat each project as a, something very new and deserving of um, the utmost attention and consideration. Mm-hmm. And what keeps you going nowadays? Wake up in the morning, be excited <laughs> Good about? Good question. Uh, we have a lot of new clients. We've got a lot of old clients too that are you know, I love working with, but also I'm really enjoying new people that we're working with and, you know, different projects. Um, we did a video installation for the Four Seasons Toronto and that was so fun. Like, wow, like there are new things out there. Like you said, oh, I didn't know you did candles. <laughs> I know. And some people are like, why are you doing candles? That's so weird. I thought, well, why not? It's, you know, it's an aesthetic decision or it's, it's, a, it's a choice you can make to have in your your home you know, you can choose your paint color, you can choose the the scent of your home. So why not? I guess what keeps me going is that there are a lot of freedoms in what we do. And then with the the furniture that we've done, I, I'm really excited to do more. And that's something I, I will be getting into more and more. Mm-hmm. So I think it, I'm in a really kind of privileged spot right now in my life that Moss and Lamb is uh a pretty successful growing company. We've got amazing staff, really committed people, and uh, a really exciting client base. And also I have room to explore my own personal interests, like furniture, art, candles. So I'm lucky. Yes, I, I, I lost my husband and that's something that was not lucky, but then you have to think, well, what what do you have in your life that you can look forward to? Um, and so I think I look forward to exploring, you know, new, new creative worlds. And how do you and Moss and Lamb stay relevant? As you mentioned, there are a lot of competitions coming up. Mm-hmm. Maybe some competitions willing to offer something a little bit cheaper or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're all oh, know yeah. that. That's definitely there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you in the business for all these years of course reputation is there quality is there yeah but competition is there as well mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. what kind of things you have been doing or are still doing that you know trying to stay on top of the game yeah that's that's a good question Competition's natural what i'm very mindful of with competition is sometimes those people are really hungry so stay hungry but never take it for granted that you do have to stay ahead or on top of your work. You can never rest on your laurels. You know, you're only as good as your last job. You know, we don't assume we're going to get every project that we bid on uh, unless we really give it our all. We're, we're really going to work on that proposal. We're really going to try to nail it. You know, you just have to go with your instincts. And, you know, my interests change all the time too. So where are we going? What are we doing? 
uh, let's do this. It's just a sense of maybe where the industry is going or what my making candles are. right now. Well, yeah, <laughs> that that's kind of just a lot of fun. Um, and they smell nice. But we're also doing a line of wall coverings, like hand painted wall coverings. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing it? I just think it's right. And that's also a thing with project management. They're like, why are we doing this? And we're distracting us. We said, well, guess what? It's sometimes it's gut instinct, and why not? You know, this is our, our expertise. Let's let's explore this and and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of it's instinct. After being in the business for this long, you have a sense of things. I am very mindful that we're we're a very mature company, and sometimes the perception is though, oh, well, what's new and exciting? I hate to tell you, but there's not a lot of new things out there. Hmm. But it's really like how you you know slightly different interpretations or. Uh, let's look at this again, turn it over. But, you know, but and th- sometimes like, you see things freshly again, though. We haven't done metallics in a long time. But lately I've been thinking, oh, maybe, maybe I want to look at this again. Or, gee, I always thought that was tacky, but oh, well, maybe we could do something here. So I, th- I think I'm also a very curious person and open to trying things. Like, it, it goes back to the risk taking as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you mentioned when we were doing the photo shoot, one of your daughters are doing film <laughs> studies. Oh, yeah, at high That's school. That's a younger one? or Yeah, she took uh, film studies at Etobicoke School of the Arts. And, and what about the other one? Uh, she was in dance at the school, but um, uh, she she's actually taking a program called Creative Industries at Ryerson. Okay. So it's interesting because... So they're both are in the creative field. Yeah, um, the one in Creative Industries is... Has got a bit of an entrepreneurial head on her shoulders and uh, an interesting business mind, mm-hmm. which I think maybe came from, you know, of course, her, her her own self, but listening to us talking over the dinner table, and I think she absorbed a lot. Um, she, uh, she kind of amazes me with some of her perceptions and wow. observations about things. So, What is something she said recently that kind of wow you a bit? <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't know what's repeatable, but... Uh, well, the other day, she said, your, your, your Instagram account sucks. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the, wow, yeah. very genuine. Oh, yeah, well, and, and very caring. And I thought, well, the boss, not my own. My own is personal. My own, my personal Instagram is, is wicked. But no, she met the Moss and Lamb one, and I thought, well, what do you mean? Well, it's very static, and all you do is show pictures of, like, glossy big f- projects, and it should be more interactive. And I was like, whoa, listen to her. It was very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. So actually this summer she's interning at the company and she's going to be uh, working with the PR company to, to develop cool assets, as they call them, for the Instagram account. I'm like, wow. Yeah. And then my other daughter is, is now at U of T and taking poetry and film studies and philosophy. So they're both in the, in the creative, why maybe a little bit more business driven. What kind of advice you have shared with them <laughs> or you want to share with them in the near future well I, I i hate to be a downer but creative life can be a really tough life i think everyone should aim high and dream and and like make films you know write poetry follow your dreams but again it goes back to discipline okay are you ready for the rapid fire question? I'm not sure. <laughs> fire away. Okay, so if you could choose to be born in any city in the next in your next life, which city would you pick? London. Which city were you born actually? Toronto. Oh. So now it's a package. Please use three or less words to describe the following. Love. Hard, happy, 
joyous. Design. Hard, happy, joyous. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to use that for everything? Uh, no. Uh, design is subjective, life enhancing. Style. Style isn't good taste. Style is personal. Um, that's a hard one. Space. The final frontier. Memories. What we all have. Moss and lamb. Oh, moss and lamb. My Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're not sinking. We're 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 sailing into the into the seas. Yeah. yeah. Um. So now, can you write a love letter to your future self? Whether it could be five years down the road or fifty years down the road. Uh, dear Deborah, lighten up. Don't be so hard on yourself. Um. You know, uh, enjoy life. Maybe get off the highway. <laughs> go go down some different roads. Um, so if you could choose either going back to the past or travel to the future. Always the future. I think the past is lovely and important and, and it informs who you are, but you have to move forward. And uh, now we're out of the rapid fire. Okay. Some uh, fun recommendations. Any books or interesting magazines that you have been in love with that you recommend? Um, Some yeah. secret gems. Well, I um, I don't know if you've heard of the School of Life. Yeah, I heard of it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I I just saw one on your yeah. coffee table. Well, I've always been interested in, in Alain de Botton, who was the founder of the School of Life. And I recently finally bought some of the books. Uh, one of them is uh, on self knowledge, and I and I really l- like the uh, how they deliver very large thoughts in very accessible forms. It's very readable, and for me, just pertinent to a lot of my kind of self awareness journey. So I'm reading some of the School of Life books. I did read a book that I didn't love. Is that okay? Does that count? Yeah, yeah, of course. So it's just right there. It's called Chalk. It's about Cy Twombly. It's a biography. You didn't like? Well, I I think maybe it was well written, but it made me not like Cy Twombly as much. He he was one of my favorite artists, and I I think maybe it was a difficult topic to write about, and I think maybe it was a difficult life to to write about, and it kind of came across that way. But I I guess Cy Twombly was just a very private, personal man, and, mm. and there wasn't much material to write a book about. So I, I thought, why write this book then? Leave it leave it private. Leave it, you know, as mysterious as he wanted it to be. Mm. Finished it, but it was it was a tough read. Um, I'm also reading a book about historical names of colors. Oh. Yeah. That's interesting. I, well, when you buy, like, paint, like, there's, mm-hmm. there's Prussian blue or Payne's gray. Or, you know, and I, I love these names. Like, mm-hmm. why, why was it called that? And so this is, and also, and this book has a focus on colors that Darwin used to describe oh. bird feathers. Oh, wow. Isn't that cool? That's so, so cool. I know. So, What's the name of the book again? Uh, well, hold on. Uh, well, I, I don't know the name, but it's over there, though. Okay, I can grab it. Okay. <clears throat> it's a blue book. It's a... Uh... This one? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> okay, it's called Werner's Nomenclature of Colors. Oh. Adapted to Zoology, Botany, Chemistry, Mineralogy, Anatomy, and the Arts by P. Syme. 
So interesting. So in my spare time, I like to read these kind of things. Yeah, you can expand your vocabularies. <laughs> yeah, I like words too. So awesome.、Yeah. Uh, what about any films? Do you, what's your favorite film? Ultimate. I, I, that's a really hard question. So I've changed that to maybe your favorite films. Like, um, one of my favorite films. I, I I don't go out to films as much as I used to.、Um, Could be from the past. Could be like yeah, a vintage film too. Um, I I guess I was really into like the French New Wave films,、mm-hmm. like Godard and、uh, Truffaut. One one of my favorite films of all times is、uh, the Four Hundred Blows,、mm. uh, Les Quatre Cents Coups. It's a、uh, just an interesting. It's kind of like a coming of age film set in the early sixties, maybe,、mm-hmm. and、uh, you know, it's kind of brilliant camera work and writing and insight into like a a young person's head. I've always, I've always loved that film. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I I really liked French films. I was really into like French as a kid, like learning、yeah. the language. So,、uh, have and, you watched that film called Interior Designer? No. That's a really good film.、I、Interior designer. Yeah, I can't remember. Run!、That. I don't know if I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Interior. Oh, sorry, it's called Interiors. Oh, that's an old film. Nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's an old film. That's one of my favorite films. Okay. Yeah, I really like、Interiors. that film. I I did see it.、Um, as much as I don't agree with Woody Allen's personal life, he's、yeah. um he is a genius of his films. Yeah, I I I I. I Have admired a lot of his films, like even his early films, like What's Up, Tiger Lily and Sleeper. Do you know those films? No, actually. Well, those are his really early, early films. Yeah. Okay. And they're really hilarious. Yeah.、Uh, I also really like、um, Stanley Kubrick Japanese films, like Ozu、mm-hmm. and kind of nerdy. Yeah. Arty <laughs> films. <laughs> But then I I I saw the、uh, the Elton John film Rocket Man with my daughter, and it was it was great. Oh yeah. So the just, Rocket Man. Yeah, I was、oh. just like. Really interesting to seeing,、yeah. um, you know, the depiction of someone's life like that, and、right. made me appreciate Elton John more. Not that I was ever a big fan, but I, I thought that was kind of fun.、But. Yeah. And then my last question is,、um, oh, sorry, not a last question, but <laughs> any、uh, local recommendations that local jams that you maybe a friend of yours from out of town come to visit? You're like, oh, you have to check out this place. Either it's a restaurant or、oh, bookstore or anything or- like local stuff. Um, one one place I really love in the city is the Leslie Street Spit. Okay,、Just、what is it? The Leslie Street Spit. Tom, I think it's called Tommy Thompson Park. Okay. Um, you don't know about it? No. Oh, it's um, it it, it was uh kind of like a dumping ground for uh like building waste, like bricks, and you know when they tear down a building, they dump it there. But um, it's become a like it's a, it's a landfill site. But over the years, like nature's kind of taken over, and it's become like a, a wetlands for、mm. birds, and then all the bricks are just have been softened by the water. It's kind of a, a magical place for a walk, and if you want to see some birds,、um, restaurants. I don't get out much, but、uh, <laughs> what was it Piano Piano? Do you know that place? Oh no, I know Paris Paris. <laughs> oh, I love Paris Paris. I piano, love, piano. Yeah, what, it's on Harvard. It's a like pizza and pasta. I、oh. love Paris, Paris. I had a really nice、the、lunch there. The food is so good. I just went there、um, last week or two weeks ago、mm-hmm. um, for the first time for their food. I I went there for drinks before, but I was like, wow, their food was amazing.、Yeah. Um, okay, last question before Tommy falls asleep or、um, snores. <laughs> <laughs>、um, is what are you currently seeking? Oh. 
Oh, that's a good question. I am seeking, uh, you know, peace, peace of mind, kind of relaxing a bit, um, accepting what is right now, not fighting it. So like, you know, Moss and Lamb is kind of big on that list. It's, it's a big thing to run. And sometimes I get a little bit overwhelmed and I sometimes think, oh, the grass might be greener if I did this or shut the doors and paint. But then be careful what you ask for. <laughs> so, you know, accept the, accept what it is and, yeah. and, uh, cherish it and, and, you know, build it and be content with what you have and make choices to make sure you're surrounded by things that are good for you. Mm-hmm. Like a dog. Um, <laughs> yeah, a garden. He's so funny. He's like right in the middle of us. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, is he kind of half sitting like <laughs> Yeah, no, that's okay. No, he's oh. actually Whether it was when she lost her husband, or when Moss and Lamb is on top of the mountain, one thing you probably have noticed throughout our conversation is that Deborah is always feeling the gratitude and appreciating the small things in her life. Thank you so much for tuning in. The next episode will be released next month. You can now find Dear Seekers on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitchers, or whatever podcast app you are currently into. And again, please take one minute to head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review or comment there so we can be found by more women. And as always, you can find us on Instagram and now Twitter at Dear Seekers. And of course, our website at www.dearseekers.com where all of the beautiful home visit photos taken by my friend Vayu are located at. Thank you so much. See you next month. Until then keep seeking. Thank you.